Are you ready to have an open and honest discussion about sex and spiritual wellness without secrets, censorship, or barriers? This is Unbuckled with your host, Christy Ann Bella. In this program, there are no topics that are off the table, from religion to health, feelings to sexuality. Get ready to hear from some incredible people. And now, here's Christy Ann Bella. Hello and welcome, everyone. I am Christiane Bella, your intimacy architect, and we today are unbuckling ooh, some juicy, juicy goodness, some pussy witch boss witch goodness with <laughs> Luna Dietrich. Hello, Luna, and welcome. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I, um, I'm a fangirl. <laughs> I follow your IG. And, uh, and that's how I, I found you. I just, I love your stuff. Um, breaking out of codependent culture, purity culture. I love your disrupting pleasure oppression. That was one that I was like, yes, all the fucking way to that. Uh, so yeah, let's just jump in. Tell me, cause I feel like, which is one of those words that is like, we're, we're taking it back. You know, this is like, I am empowered when someone's like, oh, that's some witchy shit you're doing. I'm like, fuck, yes, it is. <laughs> yes. So how, how are you feeling that integration of, of witch in your life? Mm. Well, it's such a contradiction to my Catholic upbringing, for one, and just how I was raised to have this dogma education of what God looked like and how, what it meant to be good and what it, it meant to pray and what it meant to be spiritual. And so I had to go through quite the reckoning. I was atheist for a while and, and really angry as a teenager. And then, I mean, I feel like it's such a typical story, but psychedelics really helped me start seeing and feeling God in everything and um, just really bowing to the, the mystery and paradox that it is to be in a body in mm. the universe and experience consciousness. So really just to be alive and <gasps> to be aware of how wild that is feels like honoring my witchy self and then honoring how powerful my mind is also feels Honoring, I just saw someone on TikTok. I am not going to remember who it is, but said that a lot of witchiness is some spicy psychology, and I was like, mm. "Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> just how powerful the mind is, and working mm-hmm. with that, and but in a really gentle, non-shaming, non-gaslighty way, it's really important to me too. Yeah, I love I love the idea that that these rituals you know, we can, it can be this psychology that instead of just playing in the story and repeating your story to actually like take that and create some, some sort of alchemy around it. Um, that, that comes from, you know, just, yeah, like the, the roots of being alive, of, of praising life of, you know, of, of that internal prayer of gratitude, of, of witnessing nature, of connecting to nature and, and that trust, um, so I love that. I love when when I saw disrupting uh, pre- pleasure oppression. I thought so much of uh, 
this moment, I was living in this really old complex in Pasadena. And so thin ass walls, shitty old windows, like no insulation. You could hear every conversation people had. You could hear every video game they played, all that shit. And Mm -hmm. the neighbors were like, we can hear you have sex. I was like, I hear you do everything. This is life, baby. Like, (laughs) you know, I don't know what to tell you. Like you want advice? Like you want some pointers on how to have better orgasms and be screaming your head off too. But I am not going to be oppressed. I am not going to be slut shamed and made to feel bad because I am enjoying my life. Um, you know, it's like noise is noise. Get some fucking headphones. <laughs> I'm doing what I can. I, I put up thicker curtains. I mean, you know, but it's like, yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, I want to know how you came to disrupting pleasure oppression. Uh, well, first of all, I love that you spoke to noise and sound. I feel like that hits on a lot of different just isms that I'm, I feel like the white middle class, like stay in a box, be good, you know, like cross your legs. It's related to pure puritanical culture. um, And just that being loud and taking up space is is so helpful to disrupt that, that, um, that, Oh, I'm just going to be a good girl. I'm going to be a good student. I'm going to be silent and only, speak when spoken to and um I I mean I came up with the phrase pleasure oppression because one of my mentors teachers is Kelly Deals and as a a business coach and um in one of her programs feminist copywriting she talks a lot about how it's really important to name the system rather than like the personal failure that we're up against and it just such a reminder to me, to myself, to not be so hard on myself. Like another one would be systemic guilt of like, oh no, I'm not doing enough. I'm not showing up enough, which directly impacts our pleasure if we're constantly in guilt, unless we're getting off on that in some kinky way, like that could be fun. <laughs> um, but how important it is to name these invisible systems like um, white supremacy or hustle culture or um, gaslighting these, I'm not going to pull out who named all of these things because I, I'm not so great all the time with remembering where things come from. Um, some days I am, but that they, it's so important to bring them to names because then we can see them. We can, it's hard to fight against an invisible force. And instead we just blame ourselves and that's how oppression works. And so to, to give names to like, oh, this is why it's hard for me to feel pleasure. This is why I don't have orgasms rather than just seeing someone on the internet who like, like myself, who has a bunch of sex toys and like seemingly is in pleasure all the time and then feeling really horrible about it. It's like, no, it's not you. It's this huge system. Right. That this, this story that we're sold and then you need to find your own sense of knowing. And I love that because when we identify something, it's like it pulls it out of the closet. It pulls it out of the, the shadow, you know, bullshit. And, and once you're seeing it, it's like, okay, now I've kind of taken that shame element out and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then I can change the story. I can decide, like, is this working for me? Like you said, you know, there's some things where I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll play this game with you. Like, I kind of, I kind of like this. We're doing this thing. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll jump into that archetype, but there's other times where it's like, no, we're not, we're not going, <laughs> like I'm changing totally. the script on that. Yeah. Totally. We, it, when we can, 
name it, then we can better choose how to respond to it rather than like, it's not necessarily we name it, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, great. I'm just going to write, rewrite the story and everything's going to go away. It's like, no, now we cannot gaslight ourselves and um, change some amount of the story and choose the the empowering part is choosing how we respond and choosing how I want to interact with this thing rather than just internalize it and feel so much shame and guilt about it. And I love that that I think ties into your idea that ultimately our pleasure is tied into this collective liberation. And I was like, yes, because every time when we talk about, you know, self-love, self-healing, I feel like it's very cliche. It's very like, oh, but if you just loved yourself and you just healed and worked and did the work, you know, and it's like, no, yes and no. It's like, we're collectively doing this. So if, you know, if other people out there are still playing this outdated version of, social interactions and gender and we're, you're coming up against that. So yeah, you know, absolutely like do your fucking part. Cause we're only ultimately it's like it's us, but, <laughs> but yeah, when, when we do our part, it does help the collective and, and yet you're, you're still going to have to figure out how to navigate in this, in this world. That's sometimes challenging because um, mm-hmm. not everyone is going to see it your way. So where, where do you find that balance of compassionate self-healing and like you were saying, not, not feeling like, like it's all yours to just internalize, you know? Mm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that is the question. <laughs> it's, it's such a good, big question to constantly be reflecting on, I think. Um, really, what helps me is practicing finding nuance and paradox in my body and my nervous system and being able to hold that both. And I know that's like become more of a a trendy popular thing on social media, which is awesome. Also that you just named the the cliche of self-love self-care. I'm like, isn't that cool though, that this has become the cliche now? Like that this is, it's so talked about where 10 years ago it wasn't. It's like, wow, we're doing our job. Yeah. Like that, that is, that's so cool. And, um, finding that both and of the world, there's so much horror going on in the world all the time. Can I like actually not bypass that and feel that grief in my body to the capacity that I can handle? And then also, can I notice that there's also pleasure in this present moment possible at the same time? Can I hold both of those simultaneously? Can I give space to both of those? Can I, yeah, can I be present with it? And, and two, and I think the, the balance is finding our capacity, what we can handle. And why I think it's so important to promote pleasure so much is because a lot of our nervous systems are at capacity and right. it's actually really hard to handle like continuously watching the news all the time and spiraling. Mm-hmm. Like we need to actually resource and ground into safety and like yeah. do some body-based practices so we can, so we can keep going and keep making decisions from a place of care for ourselves and yeah. care for the world rather than just like reactive responses. I mean, this whole past year and a half has been a hellscape for so many people. Mm-hmm. And so I say that all with care and, and nuance and gentleness, but just that, yeah, pleasure is so, so, so important. 
Oh, I love, I love so much about that. I love that the first place you went was in my body, like the paradox in my, it's like, yes, like the body is such a vital part of this. We, we cannot solely think our way out of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so coming back to the body and having this dance of, of the, the pleasure and I mean, I guess for lack, you know, the, the pain, but it's like the creator creation. And, and within that dance is, is the life and the death. And, and to be able to, to find that way to, to keep it as balanced, like it's never steady. And I think that's the misconception people have is like, yeah, I'm going to do the work and everything's going to be fucking peachy. And it's like, no, it's just when things suck, they won't like completely feel like they're, you know, you're buried and dead and, or wish you were dead. You'll, you'll, you know, your bounce is a little smoother. Um, so what was the first piece for you in coming into your body? Like what was one of the first practices of, of even starting to f- know what that feels like? This idea of feeling into your body, you know, is this, is this working for me? Is this where my capacity is? Yeah. Mm. Wow. Such a, another good question. Um, for me, I, so I went to this hippie college in Western North Carolina called Warren Wilson. I literally typed in top 10 hippie colleges when I was a <laughs> 17 year old. And <laughs> so I'm going back, back ways. Um, And I, why I bring that up is because I was all of a sudden I was surrounded by all these students that were really earth-based and really into gardening and herbalism and hiking and kayaking. And before, and I grew up in a really small rural town Mm -hmm. called Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. And so I lived in, you know, really beautiful landscapes and it was this very conservative place. And I like was pretty liberal as a child yeah. and had a liberal family. So I just felt like I don't belong here. And mm-hmm. I kind of associated nature with that too. And I was like, I need to get to the city. And I made this choice to instead choose this nature-based school that yeah. um, wasn't the city and wasn't didn't have the diversity that mm-hmm. I craved. But my body knew that I it, it, there was something pulling there. So mm-hmm. I chose Warren Wilson and I am really glad that I did because it helped me find I think that finding that we belong on the planet is what mm-hmm. I guess I'm, the long story of it is yeah. really when we connect with the earth when we connect our feet on the people always say that put your feet on the mm-hmm. in the grass Legit. and it's that and it's another cliche thing but it's so real mm-hmm. and really a connecting to our sense of place and our landscape and learning just a few plants that are around you Mm -hmm. and what indigenous people use them for knowing like the indigenous history of the land and what it means to be in a, in a place and a Mm -hmm. landscape and starting there of just that, like I'm allowed to exist on the planet. Right. Helps me more connect Mm -hmm. to my body. Yeah. Because I I also grew up Catholic and I feel like what I got out of that is like you, you like came in here like in debt, like kind of in the red, like you were like, you know, you're born this sinner and 
and you got to try to redeem yourself to even maybe like think that you're worthy to be here. Um, and so it took a lot of undoing because it's very hard to be in your body if you think you're unworthy of, of being period alive. Like, um, so yeah, so definitely like having to crack into that sense of like, yeah, no, there is this, like you were talking about in the beginning, this, like this bigger idea of God, you know, expanding what that looked like. And, and similar, I, you know, I did some same thing. I was like, well, no, there is no God. And, you know, it's just to find what spirituality really meant to me. Um, and it's interesting how that, you know, is so cohesive and finding the, the path to be in the body is, is to know that which the body isn't and, yeah. and have that. Yeah. So I love, I was thinking about, you know, where, where we come from. Cause I watched Corella DeVille, by the way, which was fucking phenomenal. Like <laughs> the new movie, the, oh, really? the new, the new Cruella one. And so like part of the, the bit is, you know, it's like her mother and like this lineage thing. Um, and like, you know, he, how much we can change. And so when you, like decided to break away from, from what you were taught. What was that processing like of like, okay, I know what I'm seeing isn't all there is. And, and the, the daringness it takes to be curious and, and courageous enough to like, try to do something different. What was like that kind of like reckoning for you to say, like, I, I have to follow this intuition that, you know? Yeah. Mm. Well, first, it makes me think about how important initiation ceremonies are, mm. and I wish that I had them. I wish that that was a thing in my culture, and um, it wasn't something that I got. And so mm. instead, I did a lot of psychedelics. Like, mm. I think that it was just this thing that was inside of me that I really wanted to I think the rebel was just an archetype that was very in, innate in me as a yeah. middle child and watching my sister rebel. And like, it, it, it's almost a DNA thing, like seeing my dad's lineage and line, like we're rebellious yeah. <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> and, and so a way in doing that is, was through psychedelics and then finding, um, mm finding magic in that and just uh, something else and knowing that there was something else and finding that expansiveness within my body and that possibility and that hopefulness in my body. Right. Um, and it, it was painful in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, because it, it really does that moment when you're like, okay, I, I'm not saying that drugs are the only way to get there. They're, they were certainly a shortcut I took as well. I mean, obviously, you know, I've gotten there in deep meditations when I've sat for, you know, long periods of time. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes you go in through the outdoor and <laughs> it's okay. But because then I knew, I kind of knew what was possible. And I didn't have an idea before that there was something else than the world I knew. But when I, I mm -hmm. did, and I was like, okay, there, yeah, there, there, and, and to just, again, kind of that knowing, then you, you, it starts to help steer your compass and lead you to other practices that, you know, 
as you found along the way, you know, I, I was looking through your stuff and all of your, like on the, the actual education side of like science and more like, uh, and then on the more spiritual side of Kundalini. And I love that you called out, it was like BTW, it's called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because um, I love Kundalini. I've gotten some great stuff out of it, but I remember doing that training and they're like, you're going to stare into this picture of his eyes. I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not. Right? <laughs> okay, picture. cool. Not alone. <laughs> um yeah no but i love uh you know kind of going back to earlier you were saying about like the the and and the both and and i think that's it it's knowing that okay this world does exist and so does something else and they both can coexist and i you know it's just like where am i trusting myself to to move out of this comfort zone and um, something I've been talking to a lot of people recently because there was all these caterpillars in my yard, like crazy amount, like the grass looked like it was moving amount of like, I was like, Whoa. oh my God. And um, and I was like, but the caterpillar, like it has to explode. It literally, it just like destroyed in order to be the butterfly and yeah. where we're sometimes not willing to like destroy that old version of ourselves that most likely was never ours in the first place was like, pieces of social shit family stuff so when you do you have a moment where you remember um kind of like the dark night of the soul of that sort of reckoning with okay this part of myself is about to die so that this fucking boss witch pussy like power can be born yeah oh i mean all the time (laughs) i i'd say i'd say in general because some of my students ask me this question of like, how do you know? Because I'm so not about putting yourself through a struggle, but there's also this, again, it's a paradox. It's like how some people say the universe rewards risk takers. Mm -hmm. And there is this question that we get to navigate in our bodies and ask ourselves, like, is this decision making me feel expansive Mm-hmm. Or am I enduring something Ooh, or like, or the question, am I moving towards love mm-hmm. or away from fear? Yeah. And sometimes that, this is why I keep my definition of pleasure really expansive yeah. because it doesn't just mean doing what's easy mm. and doing things that are easy can actually be really hard. Letting it be easy can be really hard. Right. Um, like Julia Wells always says that like letting it, letting your business be easy is not easy. Mm-hmm. And I think letting your life be easy. Like sometimes we just want to bring on the struggle yep. Yep. Um, subconsciously. And at the same time, when we don't, when I personally don't take some amount of risk, then I feel really isolated. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm starting to numb out. I, I mean, because we're alive. To be alive is, you know, it's a bit of a risk-taking. We really could die at any moment. And what would make my life, looking back, worth living? And that is feeling really expansive. That's moving towards connection and Mm -hmm. love and meaning and belonging. And and then honoring when I do need to rest and reset. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that got really ingrained in me when I had one of my first big near-death experiences by being stung by a wasp on my, like, on the center of my forehead, on my freaking 
third eye. Oh, wow. And I was sleeping. So it literally <sighs> and metaphorically woke me woke up. Like up. I was in a tent sleeping and I got stung. And wow. I had a really like anaphylaxis type reaction and it was yeah. really scary. And I couldn't find my EpiPen. I couldn't find my Benadryl. And I was laying naked on a forest floor thinking I was going to die. And the next day in the chemistry lab that I was working in, I put in my notice. I was just like, I can't go another day not doing what I love. I could die at any moment. So I need to show up for what I love. And sometimes showing up for what we love is scary and takes risks. And so it was that differentiation of like, am I moving towards love or am I enduring something? Am I enduring a, a toxic relationship because mm-hmm. I, it feels, um, because yes. I'm scared to open up what else is possible. And I, I am the scarcity mindset of thinking that I won't find anything else, which mm. is bullshit. Right. But that, that would be more the enduring, like op- the risk it, mm-hmm. is breaking up with them yeah. or quitting that job mm-hmm. or ending that thing that is sucking that meaning life force out of us. Oh my God. It's so good. Yes. Um, And so how do you see that kind of relating to the codependency culture, this idea of enduring? Like when, when we talk about codependency, I think, you know, at least my first understanding of it was like, it was, it was kind of strictly in this bubble of like what alcoholic partners did like your partner was like an alcoholic and you were the codependent one like enabling them um mm-hmm. but it, it's so much vaster than that so feel free to geek out if you want to on uh codependent culture and and yeah and i because i feel like yeah this idea of, of that yeah that enduring and latching on to something that that you know isn't even serving you but yet like i loved on <laughs> i think it was one of the posts you had it was like you know the bad is familiar and we like often don't change because we don't, we just don't know what the other thing is. Most likely it will be better, but it's like that, that risk to do some, do the unknown instead of staying in the familiar cycle, even though, you know, this, this shitty work. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. So much there. Um, first I would say that almost everyone is impacted by codependent culture. So there is the typical, you know, someone who is addicted to drugs and then the codependent relationship that's enabling them. And, but I also see again, more of an expansive definition of codependent culture and that it's somehow influencing us Mm -hmm. in so many different ways. And it's uh, enduring, but also, merging and projecting our needs onto other people and thinking that we will and it's it's about not setting boundaries that we can't Mm -hmm. be very explicit with what we want and need and making requests and then making consequences like it's instead codependent culture is more like I'm not going to talk about it and I'm going to you know um do kind of what's the four horsemen of the apocalypse like the oh, whole yeah, shoulder yeah, yeah. and just I feel like yeah. they're all so connected um it's more I think examples can be really helpful but okay for example my mom's side of the family is more codependent and then my I recently was able to spend some side some time with my dad's side of the family yeah. and 
it had been a while because my parents got a divorce and my dad married someone much younger. And now I have a new sister who's five. And it's just like, it, there's, it's been complicated on my dad's side of the family. Yeah. But I hung out with them recently and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. They're so confrontational. Like mm-hmm. my dad is endure, but the rest of his family right. are very like, I'm upset with you. This is why I'm upset. Right. And that contrast is so different than the mm-hmm. codependent side of my mom's side of the family. It's like mm-hmm. someone might be mad at you for three years and won't tell, and you, tell you and never tell you, but that's like why they're subtly not inviting you or not um, throwing this cold shoulder or talking about it. And then there's just all of these like mm-hmm. secrets and stuff that's, you don't really know where you stand. And so it creates this culture of just needing to be really nice right. and being really polite and kind mm-hmm. and, Um, trying to predict someone's needs and that, you know, gets related to the drug addict of like, what, how can I predict someone's needs so they don't blow up or they don't use, they don't abuse, they don't um, leave me. Like, how can I just be so perfect for them? Which is exhausting. Yeah. And impossible. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So boundaries, I mean, I, I just, this is, I could talk to you forever. Um, <laughs> boundaries is like one of these funny things. I, I love to talk to people about boundaries. And I think we often think it's like this thing of, I'm going to tell you what I don't want you to do. And it's like, no, that's not a boundary. That's you being controlling and bossy, which, you know, yeah. sure might by proxy set a boundary, but probably not one that's going to like get, get you, you know, but it's like, if, you know, I don't like to be around cigarette smokers. So then it's my choice to, to leave if someone's going to smoke or to say like, I don't allow smoking in my home. Cause like now you're in my space and that is a boundary, but if you're mm-hmm. outside smoking and I'm there, it's not for me to be like, you're not, it's like, I can either leave or I can figure out a way to adjust my response and decide. Um, and so how did you, coming from a, a more codependent situation, what was your first like moments of setting boundaries? Like how did you even begin to give language to that? And um, yeah, t- talk us through that. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's still such a practice. Um, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, it's really common to teach what is still really alive for us. And mm-hmm. that being okay, you know, yeah. so we don't have to be these like perfect experts and we get to, you know, teach what, yeah. what still feels a little challenging because it's so in our awareness and mm-hmm. then actually easier to talk about rather yeah. than, oh, I didn't know you would struggle with that because it's so obvious to me who is completely <laughs> it's figured out and it's so easy. So yeah, as it's okay to not have all the boundaries figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say something that really put me in the, um, or like pushed me off the edge of just starting to learn was starting polyamory and um, just having to talk about relationships Mm -hmm. constantly and what I was needing and the difference between, you know, like the nonviolent communication stuff, which I think can also be abuse in itself, but if not, it can also be a beautiful tool that's super helpful. And the difference between a request and a demand Mm and that, and, you know, consequences and punishments that, mm-hmm. that like a demand is forcing and pressuring someone to do mm-hmm. something. And the request is like, you have like, 
really give it as much space to help someone make their own choice mm-hmm. and not um, pressuring them or abusing them. But then also there might be consequences depending on what they decide and not in a punishment like, right. Um, okay, I'm going to take everything away from you, but more, you might not have as much access to me because mm-hmm. this is what I need from my body and my space and um, to feel safe and have a regulated nervous system. And I think what, who I'm really, really loving the way they're leading this conversation is Prentice Hemp Hill. They mm-hmm. have a podcast called Finding Our Way and they have talked about boundaries themselves and they've interviewed some people about boundaries and just how it is such a vulnerable connective experience that it's less that this like you said this bossy thing of like this is what I need you to do but more this because I care about our connection this is my limit this is my capacity I want to be connected and Prentice Hemphill says boundaries the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously and how that mm-hmm. it is this, this bridge that we're building of like, yeah. okay, cool. How can we figure out for this to both work with us? Mm-hmm. For, this, for me to be in this relationship, that might mean that I, you know, only want to do be kissing or I, I don't want, you know, mm-hmm. any genital contact or mm-hmm. I, for me to be connected to you, then I need to not be contacted two days out of the week because Mm -hmm. I need my like recuperating time and that that is a gift and it's vulnerable because then once we and I think this is why so many people are afraid to say their boundaries and their limits because we're we're showing our capacity we're showing Mm -hmm. that we we can't hold it all our hearts may say that we want to but that our bodies are like actually I can only do this much and if you can't meet me in this space, then we might not be able to be connected. And so you're giving someone else the choice yeah. when you state a boundary, like, do you want to connect? Can you hold up this boundary so we can be connected? And they might say no. And that's yeah. scary, especially right. when we want to be connected to people. Yeah. To, to not give in to the people pleasing just because you're afraid to be alone or that it makes your, your pool smaller and the, the scarcity kicks in and then, and then we make choices out of desperation um, instead yeah. of, is this really, yeah, in alignment, you know, the, the and part, it's like, okay, you know, if, if I want to go hang out here and so do you, it's like, oh, cool. But if we have two different choices, that that's fine, but it is going to create, you know, some, some spatial distance. And if, if those things keep happening, if, you know, if our needs and wants and, and abilities don't match, but it's not seeing that there's anything wrong with that. I think it's seeing like the opportunities to clear things out of your way that aren't in your best interest, right? Instead of thinking like something is happening to you or being taken from you, you know, it's yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Um, what helps you with that? Because I feel like that's an act of trust, you know, in the face of vulnerability, it's this ability to, to trust where does that piece fall in for you? Remembering that boundaries make space for my fuck yes. Mm. Yeah. And that I, I, yeah, that I am fucking amazing and I get to follow my fuck yes. And that 
yeah, it's almost like people are, I don't know, uh, someone that I used to follow, they don't, they're not on Instagram anymore, but Molly Margaret would say like, when you're going on a date with someone, you know, it can be so scary. Like, do they like me? Do they like me? But it's like, you're also interviewing them and remembering that people, not everyone deserves access to me. And I love hanging out with myself. Like it's my favorite activity. I am such an introvert and I need that recuperation time. And so boundaries help me have a lot of fun and have space for myself Mm -hmm. and that when we fill our time up with you know saying yes to everything that comes our way out of fear that there won't be something better then it's really hard to find the thing that's better like Mm -hmm. I'd rather sit with a little bit of discomfort and that unknown waiting for the fuck yes than just take what I can get and it be half-assed so fucking good I love it (laughs) oh get that whole ass (laughs) Um, I want to circle back around to polyamory because I feel like it even ties in with what we're just talking about, about the the space for the hell. Yes. I had two awesome weekends in a row where uh, one weekend, my husband, boyfriend, and I went out of town and we went and did this like waterfall hike adventure and it was phenomenal. And then this last weekend he came and stayed here at our house and it was just like beautiful and we had a great time. Um, And I realized I had this moment where I was like, I am only here because I was willing to get divorced from someone who was monogamous, who like we had an unhealthy dynamic and narcissistic stuff and carrying abuse trauma and all of this shit. And it's like, I had to leave that. It was a total like codependent dysfunctional, um, but I knew it and I knew it so well. And I stayed and I played the game for eight years. Like, and, (laughs) and I remember like, having a moment even then of like the deep social conditioning of being like, well, I should at least wait till we've been married 10 years. Cause then at least like we've been married for a long, you know? And I'm like, why would I, if I know I'm not happy, why would I stay to like meet some milestone <laughs> of like suffering? Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. And so we got divorced and I was like, my fucking life is everything I ever beyond even dreams that I had because I was willing Mm. to, you know, to set some fucking boundaries and change my approach. And that made room for a fuck in hell. Yes. In my world. Um, so what are some moments where you are like, this is, this is the juicy gift of pleasure as, as a result of, yeah, of making that space and clearing out and and following that hell fucking yes. Mm. Well, one, quitting my job at the chemistry lab and being like, this is so soul-sucking and not knowing what was going to come next. Like, I didn't have a business plan. I I already had, like, the Pussy Witch brand, and I had been teaching a little bit. But I wasn't – I mean, I hardly was bringing in any income at all. And not saying that people should up and quit their jobs without any plan at all. But maybe, you know, right. if it yeah. feels right in your body and scary as hell. I hope it's okay that I'm swearing because I'm really oh, yeah. a lot. Um, okay, cool. And thank you for that affirmation. Um, that is a huge one. I'd say I'm, t- I'm currently teaching my boss, which business course. So I'm a lot thinking yeah. about business and pleasure um, one is saying no a lot more than I say mm. yes in my work life. 
and yeah. that it can be so easy to be like, oh, I just need to take what I can get so I can get myself out there. And, but really that's what leads to burnout and really mm-hmm. focusing on what feels so exciting and yeah. what feels like it's going to be energizing and yeah. generative and money-making mm-hmm. and just going to turn me on mm-hmm. rather than like, oh, this would be nice or I can see it being helpful. Be like, mm, mm-hmm. Those aren't good enough reasons to say yes to something. Yeah. Um, yes. Like waiting for that electricity, that like glee mm-hmm. and that naughtiness in my body and be like, yeah, yeah that feels fun. That feels edgy. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So I would love to dive in uh, to, you've got a couple great things. You've got 30 days of writing yourself into wholeness. Um, and then you've also got, yeah, the, the boss witch program. And I feel like with the boss witch, you know, this idea of money, yeah, money and pleasure. So because I had to unlearn a lot of fucking stories around money and I'm sure you did too, <laughs> uh, especially coming from the church and tithing and you got to give and, you know, like, uh, so yeah, so how have you come to to bring like this this juicy pleasureness back to to enjoying money and receiving money and and how does that empower that boss witch energy? Mm. Well, one is seeing money as an animistic force mm. and that it's an entity and that I'm in relationship with it and rather than just this like thing that is inanimate yeah that it's I'm okay I'm in relationship to it how is my relationship when I really look at it what are Mm -hmm. my stories that there's never enough or that I have to deal with it and I don't want to that Mm -hmm. I have to do something that's really unpleasant to be in relationship with money that I have to work really hard or that Mm -hmm. it's going to bring abuse and trauma into my life Mm -hmm. that that bad things happen when I get money or, right. or I don't know how to hold on to it. I don't deserve it. And so yeah. lo- really looking at all of those blocks, mm-hmm. all of those stories that are impeding this relationship and being like, what do, how do I want to engage with this? Yeah. And really separating that out from the stories of the system of capitalism mm-hmm. that is this very extractive, unconsensual force yeah. That is just like to build and build and build on itself mm-hmm. without any, you know, without caring about the earth or caring about humanity. Yeah. And that money is different. It's this exchange. Mm-hmm. It's more neutral. And mm-hmm. so, and money it can be an amplifier to what we are. So when yeah. we really look at our, our needs, and again, it comes back to feeling that we're allowed to be here on the planet and that mm-hmm. we're allowed to take up space. And then we're also allowed to make mistakes. And I think this is so important for, especially people who are raised uh, Catholic or some type of Christian. um, But for so many people that to be alive is also going to be in some way that we're going to, we're going to hurt some people sometimes. And that, yes, it's great to try to reduce that harm. Mm -hmm. And that, really impossible to be alive and to not like ruffle some feathers sometimes and step on some toes and that that's actually okay and we still get to love ourselves and keep learning and growing and really looking at how that fear of harm can Mm -hmm. you know 
impede on us putting ourselves out there or asking for us to take up more space with money and amplify ourselves because mm-hmm. money again is this amplifier. Right. So it's going to allow us to get more of our needs met and that doesn't make us bad people. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I immediately, I wrote in my notes. I was like victim perpetrator, savior complex. <laughs> Cause I'm like money fucking brings that shit up. Yeah. This idea that yeah. like either you're a victim, you don't have enough money. You're the perpetrator. You're yeah. You're going to like, you know, things are going to happen roughly and, or you want to take the money and save everybody. And, um, uh-huh. and so, yeah, mm-hmm. to just disassemble a lot of those stories that yeah, have nothing to do with money that like you said it, like that's capitalism. Like they, you know, untangling that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. So good. I love that. Um, so I, one of my other favorite posts that you, you had recently, it was take, I think it was like something like take breaks from performing that you're okay. And like, let yourself be vulnerable. And I was like, Ooh, that one hurts. <laughs> feel that um because I'm like oh I know I know I've you know I know I've done that where uh I've done it because I don't want to feel like a burden right and um and I've done it because I also yeah like I kind of don't want to see myself my own capacity I want to think that I'm capable of doing more and and so I just I sat with that and I was like yeah like ooh, like what if we we're not judging that you know, capacity. And what if, you know, I, I trust that other people are going to set good boundaries. And if, you know, if this is too much for their capacity, it's on them to let me know. It's not on me to, to turn myself down. So yeah. What are the moments when you catch yourself and you're like, Oh shit, I'm, I'm pretending to be okay. And I, I need to step into that vulnerability and, and ask or, or self-care. What is that? Yeah. All the time. Um, I, resonate with a lot of the things on the three on the Enneagram, which Mm -hmm. is like the achiever. And, um, but yeah, I think it's a a regular practice to be reaching out and asking for help because when I'm struggling, it's the hardest time for me Mm -hmm. to reach for people. And it's a muscle that I need to build. Like I need to do my reps in Mm -hmm. reaching for people and recognizing when I genuinely ask, and like, don't demand. And mm-hmm. I get in, in practice of reaching for many different people and give them the space to say, no, I, there's, right. there's always someone that yes. is actually genuinely excited yeah. to help and it builds connection. Right. right. Like, so having that resource mm-hmm. pool and continuously practicing reaching and reaching and reaching yeah. and that it is a gift. Like mm-hmm. truly, I know a lot of you make fun of that. Like it's your needs are a gift, but it's so true. Yeah. And it's finding that match of that, that person. Mm-hmm. And that's why we need community. It's like, we need community. Yes. Oh my God. So good. Yeah. I, you know, I see it as like, we pass on purpose and we give somebody a, a chance to, and we're passing it on. And it's a sense of purpose and, and we're purposeful with our, are asking. And if you're honoring your no, then you know, you can trust somebody in their yes. And you know, they're capable of holding that space. Um, So we're wrapping up here. I want to give everybody ways to connect to you so they can get into boss, Witch, they can get into this 30 days of writing yourself into wholeness and all the other amazing work that you do as a pussy, witch. so it is Luna L U N a Dietrich D I E T R I C H.com and Luna underscore Dietrich on Instagram. So you can find her there. Highly recommend following her amazing content, super inspiring. 
we'll definitely get your your uh, juicy <laughs> juicy inspired self flowing and going. Um, thank you so much for being here. It has been an amazing conversation. I'm I'm truly truly grateful to get to to talk to you and share your your story and your insight. Um, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with today? Uh, make room for your fuck yes. Like keep setting those boundaries. It might be really scary, but some part of you knows what you're needing and what really is going to make you feel alive and maybe feel a little naughty. And that's my, that's my challenge for, for whoever's listening. I love that. Yes. Embrace the naughtiness. Yeah. There's, there's some good information in there too. Uh, well, it has been a joy to be here with you. Once again, our guest has been Luna Dietrich and you can find her on Instagram and lunadietrich.com. She is the pussy witch and we have been disrupting pleasure oppression and unbuckling all sorts of great stuff today. I am your hostess, Christiane Bella, Intimacy Architect. Thank you for being here. Blessings to you. Thank you for listening to Unbuckled. You can join Christy Ann Bella for another program with amazing guests, stories, and advice every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to check out our new show coming soon. Tired of having the same fight over and over again? Is it hard to remember a time when you felt close to each other? Before you call it quits, do you want to do something to rebuild that spark of intimacy? Of course you do! Ignite the passion like never before with Intimacy Architecture. Text 626-310-5159 to set up your relationship consultation. Again, text 626-310-5159. Think about how much sound you hear all the time. Noise, music, your own heartbeat. What is it made of? How does it work? How does it affect you? The universe of music takes you into the particles of life and the beat of living. It is an interactive online masterclass of music and science taught by the internationally renowned musician and scholar, Dr. Marcin Bella. Visit theuniverseofmusic.com. That's theuniverseofmusic.com.